What is up, Whisper Nation? It's another live show, and guess what? Big Travis finally back on. And this time, we're talking the top 10 most impactful rookies that you're going to want on your team in 2021. Right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? That's right. Johnny talked about it. We're doing another live show on these rookies, impact rookies, where they're going to be, uh, where we'd like them to be uh, for fantasy football purposes. But if you're hearing my voice or seeing my beautiful mug, please do us a favor. Hit that like button. Share this on whatever platform you're on. It really helps with the algorithms, helps us grow the channel. You know anything about algorithms? They're kind of like Roger Goodell. Uh, unfair, slow to act, doesn't always make the right decisions. But in the end, they have all the power. So help us fight back. Please share this video. If you are new to the Fantasy Whispers, welcome. Please consider giving us a follow on all of our social media platforms. You can check out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also look at thefantasywhispers.com. We've got our old shows all up there, so you can check those out. Um, just go ahead and go to the thefantasywhispers.com or search the Fantasy Whispers on any social media platform. Johnny, we're here. We're rocking. We're doing this thing. We did a little bit of uh, research and, and look into rookies a month or so ago to get some dynasty uh, feels in. But now it's time. Next week is the draft. So speaking of the draft, Johnny, we're going live the first round of the NFL draft next week, April 29th. You're coming all the way out to Cali to be with me. We're going to do that uh, 8 p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Five. P- I'm sorry. 5 p.m. Wait. I do this every time. Is, I know. Every I've time. got it backwards on it's, the sheet, I think. It's, uh, 8, it's 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 yes. p.m. Pacific, April 29th, next Thursday night. You'll be out here. Talk to them a little bit about what we're going to be doing uh, going live there. Yeah, so we'll be going live through the draft. There should be a lot of, uh, you know, of these rookies going in the first round. There's uh, a lot of talent and so it, it should be exciting. We wanted to do a live stream, come hang out. Uh, we'll talk fantasy football. We'll talk fantasy football impact as it happens. We're trying to get some people. We might have some people on the show. I can't, you know, I'm not trying to say too much, but uh, we might have some special guests on the show as well. So if you got nothing else, you just have, uh, you know, I, I think we're more entertaining than, you know, Mel Kuyper and, you know, Todd, 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 Todd McShay. So, uh, I, you know, if you got nothing else to do, stop by the Fantasy Whisperers, hang out we with us. We definitely have better hair than, than uh, Mel oh. Kuyper. I'll tell you that much. We oh, got yeah, better hair at, than Mel Kuyper. Yeah, look at Big Travi. He, he came back from vacation, and he, he – look at this. Check – talk about my haircut. Look at Big Travi. He's, he's rocking the Jon Rock- Snow yeah, I got some Jon Snow look going on here. Just look, when you have a lot of hair, when you got that COVID haircut, Johnny, you know, it's getting all in yeah. your face. People can't see my face. I want them to see this beautiful face I'm rocking here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like Johnny said, we're going to be talking about those rookies next Thursday. We're going to talk about them in depth today. We're going to get into some of these guys that we like. And what we did was we ranked them. We said these are the top 10 rookies we think are going to make the most impact in 2021. Um, so we'll rank those 10 to 1. But first, Johnny, we got to talk a little bit of Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam Schefter coming out uh, with some some bombs here, some Shefty bombs. Um, the first one was he said Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, Sirianni, Sirianni. I need to learn how to pronounce this. Uh, Nick Sirianni declined today to name Jalen Hurts as starting QB, and instead it will be an open competition. Schefter then came out and said clarification. Nick Sirianni said he won't name a starter at any position because he's only had two days of virtual meetings, and therefore he is not looking at a competition, uh, or he is looking at competition at every position. And that makes a lot more sense. That's not the clickbait media thing that was going on in our group chats for our league of records that we thought. Uh, Shefty was just trying to put that seed of doubt in some people. I almost I almost was going to be like the series. Is, is Siri not going to have a job very long if he keeps going down this road? I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, dude, I, I mean, I, I'm, I agree with you 100% on this. I think it's just some craziness going on. Joe Flacco is the only other QB on the roster, Johnny. So, like, really, what is the question here? Uh, before you get in to dive into that, I want to say Cat's Pajamas is with us on YouTube, says, what's up, guys? What's going on, Cat's Pajamas? One of our mock draft maniacs over there uh, helping us out every single Monday. Uh, so we appreciate you. And if you're on any channel right now, hit, a, hit us with a thumbs up. Uh, wherever you're at, hit us with a follow, with a share. We appreciate you guys being in here. Uh, evening all, says Rob Shorter. He's all the way over in London, so he's checking out across the pond. 
And Killjoy comes in, says, hey, oh, boys, it's Kyle back again. We appreciate you, Kyle. We know you got you over on Instagram talking your dynasty trades. We appreciate that. Johnny, jump into this for me. Talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts and how we think it's a little absurd that there would be any kind of QB competition at this point. I mean, they traded away Carson Wentz. I honestly think that this is just what he's the coach is trying to do and he and hear me out this is here's my here's my conspiracy theory on Nick Sirianni or I think that's how you say his name he came out when he first got there and this is what he said quote unquote the first part of being smart is knowing what to do we're going to have a system in place that are easier to learn we're going to have systems in place that are easier to learn that was on January 29th then he came out just uh, uh, last week uh, or or just this morning, actually, today on a, on a press conference, he said that system that they're quote unquote going to go with is rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be trash talking him. Do you talk trash back to me? That was a quote unquote what uh, what the head coach has to say. All jokes aside, I think what he's trying to do is he saw what Dan Campbell did in Detroit and, he, and how Dan Campbell got, you know, his guys uh, rejuvenated because some of the players came out afterwards and were saying, oh, you know, I liked when, you know, Dan Campbell talked about, you know, going after kneecaps and stuff. I thought it was, you know, a raw, raw. It was good. I think that's what he's trying to do with Jalen Hurts, because when you look at it, it doesn't make much sense for the Philadelphia Eagles to not go with him. I mean, realistically, like you said, Joe Flacco is really his only quarterback. Sure, they could draft a quarterback in in the draft. I doubt it because they need so many pieces. But just look at what Hertz was doing in in reality, right? And why I don't think he uh, is why they're not going to go with him and why I actually think that Hertz is a tremendous buy opportunity right now in dynasty, as well as I am still super excited about him this year in fantasy football because when he has played on 100% of the snaps, Travis, which were three out of four of the last four games of 2020, he was uh, he had the the supporting cast was ranked 28th in the entire league in efficiency. So that's pretty bad, okay? But even though that happened, he was still in week 14. He was the QB 10. In week 15, he was the QB number one, where he threw for over 300 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. In week 16, he was a QB 17, which isn't that great. But the nice thing is he threw for over 300 yards in that game as well. And I told you how he didn't have a great supporting cast. And then in week 17, we all know the story. They pull, The Eagles pull Hurts at halftime. But even at halftime, he was he was QB 22 on 74 percent of the snaps. What makes him such a great fantasy? He he might people might question whether he's a good quarterback or not. But and I'm not here to to do that necessarily. I'm here to say for fantasy football purposes, he is a great quarterback because from weeks 14 to 16, he averaged the secret code. Travis, we all know what the secret weapon is in fantasy football. The, the rushing attempts for a quarterback. He averaged 12 rushing per te- uh, attempts per game, and he didn't have any fewer than 63 rushing yards. That is an added touchdown on your by rushing on your quarterback. You know how significant that is? So to me, I think they're going to get some weapons around Jalen Hurts in this draft. They, they're in position to draft one of these top wide receivers. I think that that's what they're going to get, and then I'm, I'm going to buy in completely uh, with, uh, with Hurts here. Are you there? Sorry, oh, there. Johnny, I, I had some technical difficulties there with my headphones, so I didn't mean to like leave you hanging on that. Oh, I appreciate yeah. everything you said there because what it really does is remind us what is going on here with uh, you know Jalen Hurts. He was a top 10 guy in that small sample size. And like you said, the Konami code, the cheat code, which is the rushing ability for Jalen Hurts, really makes him very special. Nothing that Joe Flacco does or some rookie coming in does right away is going to change that. So I really appreciate what you put down there. And I think people just need to put into perspective because uh, this has been a, a, a narrative that's been floating around a while that the Eagles would somehow not be behind Jalen Hurts. They traded away their first round franchise quarterback. They traded him away. They, they got rid of Carson Wentz. They have been showing us in their actions, even if their words are different, they've been showing us in their actions mm-hmm. what they really want to do, and that means Jalen Hurts, or at least that's what it looks like for us. And so we, it was important for us to uh, kind of talk about that. But now it's time. 
for the meat and potatoes, Johnny. It's, talk to, it's time to talk what the you know the title says on this video. If you clicked on it, first of all, thank you. Hit yeah. us with a like. Hit us with a follow. Hit us with a subscribe. Whatever you're doing, help us out. Help us keep growing this, and we'll keep bringing you content. We stream live every Wednesday and Friday for these shows. Look at yeah, we stream uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday because we do a yep. mock draft Monday too. So mm -hmm. that is a big part of what we do here. But uh, Killjoy telling us I've been looking forward to this stream all day. We appreciate that. We've yeah. been looking forward to it as well because we're going to go top ten, you know, list style. We're going to go ten to one and talk about who we think rookies. Right now, we don't know where they're landing. Obviously, we'll know that next week. You'll join us on that live stream next Thursday night. Uh, but we're going to talk about the top 10 guys, go 10 to 1, uh, about the guys that we think are uh, going to make the most impact as rookies. And honestly, this number 10, Johnny, you didn't even want him on the list. Um, and that's not a slight at the, to this guy's talent. Um, Kyle Pitts from Florida is our mm. number 10 here. We figured we had to put him on the list because he's just getting so much hype. But it's not somebody we really we were even really looking at uh, seriously as making an impact because tight ends normally as rookies are not going to make an impact. Now, look, let's look at some of these past highly drafted uh, tight ends. Um, O.J. Howard, Eric Ebron, Vernon Davis, Evan Ingram, T.J. Hawkinson, Mike Gusecki over the last few years. You know, O.J. Howard was picked at 119, finished his tight end 17. Eric Ebron in his rookie year was tight end 45. Vernon Davis was tight end 21. T.J. Hawkinson tight end 32. Mike Gusecki got into the top 12 uh, at tight end 11. And then Evan Ingram did get tight end 5. Um, if we look at all-time most receiving yards by a rookie tight end, Johnny, Mike Ditka in 1961 got 1,100 yards. Sure, we we understand that. Yeah, because everyone was playing. Everyone and their mother was playing fantasy football in uh, right. 1961. There's there's a couple guys in the 70s and 80s, Keith Jackson, Charles Young, and then Jeremy Shockey in 2002 got around 800 yards each. But then there's a whole slew of people inside that top 10 that were seven, six, 500 yards in their rookie year. And if you think about a tight end, Johnny, you need yardage. That's a big part of your game to be to get the positional advantage. I understand the excitement in Kyle Pitts, but he doesn't belong on the same impact field as we're talking about as these other guys. And that means in fantasy football. Kyle Pitts will be a fine first-round pick likely for one of these teams uh, and maybe even a good dynasty pick for you depending on where you can get him and what your team is built like. But to make the assumption that just because he's highly touted, look, TJ Hawkinson was one of the highly touted, uh, most touted prospects we'd seen in a long time, and he still was tight end 32, Johnny. So for me, mm -hmm. Kyle Pitts, the likelihood that he makes an impact inside the top 10, the top 12 even, is not very high. Yeah, and I think that... I think that's his ceiling, right? And so you're already drafting him above his ceiling. And sure, I get it. There are going to be weeks where Kyle Pitts is is going to be relevant. Sure, like he's going to have maybe one or two. Like uh, it happens. Uh, Irv Smith is another guy that was a very freak athlete coming out of college and had all these tangibles. And, uh, you know, he had a couple of good games his, his rookie year but they all tend to take a little bit. And so that's why I don't think you can go after him. Sure, if you like him, wait. This would be my advice. If you really do like uh, Kyle Pitts and want to have him on your team because you do think there's upside, I would not draft him. I would wait until two to three weeks after the start of the season, and either you'll be able to pick him up off of waivers because he won't make an impact right away, or you can make a, a low ball trade offer at that point because I don't think that he'll, uh, you know, produce, you know, throughout the whole season, let alone the first three weeks. Or you can do what Killjoy says here. He says, Kyle Pitts can father my children. So you could hey, hire him as a babysitter or, or a stand in dad, it sounds like there. Kyle <laughs> also letting us know. Congrats on the thousand followers on Twitter, by the way. Do you want to just take a moment here to say, everybody? Uh, that has followed us on Twitter. Thank you very much. If you're not following us, go to Twitter. Help us get over that thousand uh, mark and, and keep pushing on to other, uh, you know, other ceilings and, and 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 milestones here. Cat's pajamas coming back in, talking a little bit about Hertz. I like Hertz a lot this year for fantasy. Hopefully, AB ADP doesn't rise too high. Honestly, this story that we talked about at the top of the show is good for that. Hopefully. Mm. Uh, we get more of that BS garbage coming out of the beat writers because then Hertz's ADP can kind of stay where it's at as as a value. Yep. Well, speaking of mobile quarterbacks, we're going to move on to Justin Fields as our number nine to likely make the most impact uh, out of these rookies, and that's Justin Fields. 
Johnny, he played at Ohio State. He's six foot three, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. Um, you look at some of the things that he was able to do. Uh, five-star recruit out of high school. He had the eighth best recruit of all time. Most of the qualities of a legit QB in the NFL. He does have some issues holding on to the ball and wanting that big play. That could get him in trouble in the NFL. Just depend on where he lands and the offensive line there. Um, but, and, you know, his, his ability to want to push the ball down the field and make the big play kind of reminds you of Aaron Rodgers waiting for that big play to happen. Gets a little shaky with deep ball accuracy, though, so that's where he doesn't remind me of some of the top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL. And then there's the whole Ohio State narrative, Johnny. Uh, you look at QBs, Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, Dwayne Haskins, strip club, strip club Dwayne, as we like to call him. Um, they all played in that player-friendly spread offense, right, in mm-hmm. Ohio State, and so – he was 20 and 2 in college. Jalen Hurd or Justin Fields was 67 passing touchdowns, 19 rushing touchdowns, only 9 interceptions. You think about what he'll need. He'll need a, you know, RPO style wrinkles in this offense. And so where does he go, Johnny? Like what have we seen in these mocks? Where do you think do you think he's the big smoke screen was Mac Jones and that maybe the the Niners are looking at Justin Fields at that number 3 spot? I mean, I'll be honest with you, the I think that Justin uh, Justin Fields is my like dark horse on this on this list. If I were to have one, as far as I am really looking to see where he goes, because if he does go to the right system like the 49ers, and if I, I'll tell you it, at, from a fantasy perspective and as a fantasy analyst, I really hope he goes to the 49ers because if he goes to the 49ers, this guy will be along with Jalen Hurts, my two favorite later round quarterbacks because you're looking at a play action style offense and when you're running off of a play or when your quarterback can run off of a play action like uh, just uh, Justin Fields can and he's super fast as as well. You're talking about those added Konami code or Konami. That's how you say it, right? Konami codes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's what you want in, in fantasy football. So uh, but as far as, you know, I'm a Cardinals fan, so I don't want to see I want to see them go with Mac Jones because I feel like that's going to be an easier quarterback for us to deal with over the next few years. But. I'm telling you, if, if Justin Fields, everything that I've seen, I know the the big comp or, or I mean uh, the big complaint about him, right, is that he's an Ohio State quarterback and that they usually don't uh, translate well over to the NFL. And sure, I that that could be a consistent thing that you see, but I do think he has shown a lot more tangibles that would succeed for fantasy football than a lot of the previous quarterbacks. So that's why I think he's really interesting. Johnny, and we'll get into this because we're going to talk about quarterbacks here on a slew of these picks, like nine, eight, seven are all quarterbacks based on Mm -hmm. what we think will make the most impact for fantasy football next year. And that's the only reason, like they're going to make bigger impacts on this franchise that they go to. Correct. Yeah. But we're talking fake football here. We're talking about the one that runs up the score, gives us the stats right away. And rookies tend to be in the running back and wide receiver category that they're going to make the most impact. And so that's how you'll see our list is a little top heavy with running backs and wide receivers. But if we're looking at the draft, Johnny, in the top 10 picks where we think most of these quarterbacks are going to go, Trevor Lawrence, obviously Zach Wilson, we'll talk about these guys, but the Jaguars at one, the Jets at two, the Niners now at three after their trade. Then you look down, you got Denver at seven, and then you've got New England at 10. So in our top mm-hmm. 10, those are the teams that are probably going to look at quarterback the most, right? Yeah. Um, that I would think that are in there because obviously the Lions traded for Jared Goff, the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold, uh, the Dolphins have Tua, and they seem to be happy there. So um, I think that those are the teams most likely. So I guess what I'm going to ask you here is the Jags are going with Trevor Lawrence most likely. We think that the Jets are going with Zach Wilson. So then it's the Niners and it's the Patriots and it's the Broncos. Of those three, you probably like Fields the most to the Niners. Honestly, honestly, I would be so excited. Uh, even more, just think about it. Now, this just came, you know, as I was putting the pieces together. This is live, people. Like, this is how <laughs> you're going to know this that is a live show. Happened. Yeah. Uh, connect, uh, you know, exo facto, connect the dotso. And if Fields lands in Denver, look out because it could be, you know, 
obviously it would take him off of this list for a potential for the 2020 right away. Right. So you wouldn't be really necessarily drafting him, but I think they would put uh, Drew Locke on a sh- on a short leash. And I think that if that happens and, and he gets a shot, I, I don't think that they that he's looking back. I think that uh, fields would take that over. And then you're looking at, Jerry Judy as his tar- as a uh, target. You're looking at Cortland Sutton coming back as a target. You know Tim Patrick as an underrated wide receiver. You've got uh, you know a tight end over there that you know a fan. Yeah. You know a fan that even, is broken. Uh, the rookie last year. The the per, uh, was it KJ per- Hamler. Yeah, so, KJ Hamler. Yeah. So um, I mean that would be that's honestly honestly that's where I hope he lands. Now it's that kind I'm kind of a low key one. A lot of mocks have Trey Lance going there to Denver. You think, oh, my God, the Broncos, were they that bad last year or were they just banged up? Uh, did they go through all these injuries? Is Pat Shermer good enough to get a rookie on board here? Would the rookie be good enough to take out uh, a healthy um, Drew Locke out of this QB competition? And you wonder just what that would look like. I I Dude, just knowing the Denver Broncos and what they've done the past few years, mm-hmm. I think Fields is out of the question for them because I honestly think Fields goes to San Fran. That's I think that's what's going to happen. I, I just think Mac Jones ends up going to Denver. Not to get this okay. into a speculation show, but sure. Den- Mac Jones just makes a lot of sense for what Denver's done in the past mm-hmm. that I think that, that they would go sense. there. But also Trey Lance because he's got that big arm. So you could see something like that where Elway gets smitten by him there. Before we move on to Trevor Lawrence, I just want to ask you, what do you think of the information that came out where Trey Lance had his pro day and the 49ers didn't really attend or pay attention to it? And then uh, they trade up and then they ask him to redo his pro day with the plays, you know, the 49ers like to run to see how he does. What do you think of that? Do you think it was a smokescreen or do you think well, they are legitimately? Probably, at- I think probably because now what we've heard in the cycle of them since they've traded, when did they trade for that pick? Probably four weeks ago. Yeah, a couple. You weeks know, ago. and s- since they've done that, Johnny, we've heard what we've heard. Oh, it's for Mac Jones. Then we heard, oh, it's for Justin Fields. And now we're hearing, oh, it's for Trey Lance, who they've, you know, rescheduled his pro day, made him do, do a second pro day. Um, you know, like Kill- Killjoy says here, Fields would be insane, uh, would be insane in San Fran. That would be very exciting to watch. A hundred percent. We know that. But honestly, Trey Lance in that system. Look, here's the bottom line. Shanahan has taken guys like Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, and made them ball out in his system. You know, yeah. Kirk Cousins was not a guy. He was drafted behind Robert Griffin III. You know, we we saw Kirk Cousins start to ball out. Maybe Kirk Cousins is as good at football is because he he stopped and had Shanahan teach him some of the ways of... of, of. So I, what I'm saying well, is... Wild is whoever, player, player profiles a prayer player profilers comp on Justin Fields is Robert Griffin the third. Right. So it's really funny that, you know, it's like, oh well they have an opportunity to get the quarterback yeah, there's a Kyle there for had. sure. Yeah. And then you could see a lot of Matt Ryan's game and Mac Jones too, who, you know, you know, um, Shanahan spent time in Atlanta. So I, I don't think I think the point here is um, that the Niners wanted to be like water. They wanted to show the rest of the people just because we traded up to three doesn't mean, you know, who we're going to pick. We want to give every due diligence. And I think it was a win win for both them and uh, Trey Lance to get a second pro day in, because yeah. what happened was Trey Lance's was one of the first pro days. And then all these other guys went after him and we kind of forgot about Trey Lance and how raw he was. Mm-hmm. And so if he had an opportunity to get himself out there on more tape again, I thought it was very smart of him to take that opportunity and then smart for San Fran to see, hey, how would he actually fit in our system right now? Do we look at Trey Lance right now um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting and getting a guy, uh, you know, so we'll see. Uh, Number eight on this list, maybe number one in in everybody's heart is is Trevor Lawrence, Uh, six foot six, 220 pounds at Clemson. And I know what people are saying right now. Wait, why is Trevor Lawrence the second uh, highest quarterback on our list? We'll get into that. Um, and as far as what impact we think they're going to make right away, obviously five-star recruit out of high school, three years of elite college production, everything you want in a number one overall pick. It's pretty much a done deal. He's going to Jacksonville, but it is interesting how much it's narrowed with him and Zach Wilson, who we'll get into next 34 and two in his college career, ideal height, weight, mobility for a pro QB as Mac from Saturday snap would tell you he's a mobile quarterback and people are not talking about that enough. Ideal landing spot. We obviously know that, you know, the Jaguars are probably taking him and how crazy would that be but also maybe the most Jags things ever if they passed 
on Trevor Lawrence, Johnny. Um, I, I just look at this. I, I think it's a done deal. The reason he's at eight for me and, uh, and you, we ranked him here. I think it's going to take some time. He's got to learn Urban Meyer's system. They've got to learn, you know, they've got to shake the cobwebs off of him in the NFL. We know their line isn't one of the best in the NFL right now. Um, It's the Jags. They are going to have a ton of picks, but it's going to be a bunch of young people learning this whole system and learning this whole new regime. Uh, I think it's going to take some time for Lawrence. I don't think the rookie year is going to be one you're going to look back and go, oh, he was a top 10 guy. Yeah, I don't know if he'll have, you know, he'll finish as a top 10 guy, but I I certainly think he'll have top 10 weeks. And I think that you're, you know, he will be able to be streamed on some weeks. Now we'll kind of see the schedule come out. It should be coming out, you know, any day now. Um, And then once we have that, then we can kind of judge from there. But I do think that there is potential right for him to have very good weeks because we saw Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow was putting up, he had... Two weeks, uh, he only played, you know, 11 weeks out of the season. And uh, that 11th week, you know, he got injured, so he didn't play the whole game. But through weeks one through 10, and he had a week uh, by week in week nine, Travis, he had three games over 24 fantasy points. And so when you're looking at when it's over 24 fantasy points, then you're looking at, you know, a top eight, top 10 fantasy quarterback. And so I do think that there'll be weeks where, you know, you can definitely start them in a two quarterback league. You might, you know, have the conversation a little bit more of like, oh, should I have uh, Trevor Lance, uh, you know, higher on this, uh, or Lawrence on on higher on this list. But uh, I, I think that, I don't count on him producing very, very much his rookie year. Yeah, I mean, you just think, I think it's going to be a similar, hopefully not an identically similar uh, year as Joe Burrow, but I think it'll be kind of like Joe Burrow. It's going to take some time. He'll get going. Then he's going to have monster games. You're going to think you're going to chase that upside quite a bit, uh, but you're going to get a, into a situation where there's going to be those ups and downs, and that's what happens with these rookies, especially at the quarterback position. That is the most dense position in the game that they have to learn so much of the playbook. And speaking of playbook, Rob Shorter coming in, a lot of rumors saying the Jags have sent Lawrence the playbook already. And that's a good idea. I mean, yeah. look, Cincinnati was very vocal, and they said, they look, that you could go you. one of two ways at the number one spot. You go Cleveland, where Cleveland was like being quiet, but everybody knew it was going to be Baker, you know, but then they were like, oh, we don't know. It could be no, anybody. No, people thought it was Sam Darnold. Right. And so they were like, oh, whatever. But you or you could do it like last year where Cincinnati said, no, it's going to be him. You know, mm-hmm. Boomer Esiason was telling him, like, you're going to be, you know, the next. Well, you know, they did the same break. thing, right? Like they, they sent him the playbook, right? Mm-hmm. They they got him ready. And then he was working out with guys that they could potentially draft or that they did draft ahead of time. Um, and so that's the situation there. I just think the Jags are probably taking Lawrence. And we're going to see we're going to need some time for Lawrence to work out. Now, we have ranked shocking and people are going to be mad at us here Johnny but we've ranked Zach Wilson as the number 7 to make an impact at the at the uh at the position or at to make an impact in fantasy football sorry I was blanking out there Zach Wilson and really what's happened with Zach Wilson Johnny is just this this obsession with him over the last month or so or uh, two months and it started with Chris Sims who works for CBS works for or sorry works for NBC um and is is Phil Simms' son and obviously a, a QB scout, QB. He was a QB, NFL QB himself, uh, played for John Gruden and all that in Tampa. But Chris Sims is out here saying, look, I just think Zach Wilson is the better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. And he made a lot of waves saying that. And then you watch Zach Wilson's pro day. And I do think like we're splitting hairs here. And that's the NFL's job at that top of the draft. But Zach Wilson is a stud, Johnny. Six foot three, 210 pounds. Um you know, people are going to say he's a poor man's Joe Burrow because he had a bit of a one-hit wonder. He had a weird 2019 season, 11 touchdowns, nine interception. But then, you know, he was the youngest QB to ever start for BYU, and then broke out completely in 2020. 73.5 completion percentage, 33 touchdowns, three picks, and 10 rushing touchdowns. PFF has called him an elite QB prospect, saying he can hit from any platform. There's some knocks to his game, like not being, you know, more of a slender build, no elite competition at BYU, and that he had the one hit wonder they think that under pressure his his accuracy tends to dip um i i just for me i look at johnny those throws that he made uh in his in his pro day falling to the side Mm -hmm. across his body 
they were very, you know, and I'm, I don't want to take credit for this. Chris Sims said he's, he does a lot of Mahomes and Rodgers-esque things. And I, I have to agree with Chris Sims. That's exactly what I was seeing when I watched him do his pro day here. Um, he, he's sneakily a more of an athlete than you think he is. Right. And that's what's kind of tantalizing, right? Uh, you, you talk about the system that he's going to be playing in, the similar to the 49ers. It's going to be, you know, that, that West coast, like play action type of offense. And you look at his weapons, Travis, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims and, and Crowder. And listen, say what Corey Davis had a breakout season last year. And we have to also go back to, you know, talk about Chris Herndon, man, Chris Herndon's a guy too, that like, right. And I, I, and I, they're kind of, low-key talented here Mm -hmm. like the jets are kind of doing something here that's that's my point is like i i think that most people would be like oh the jets because of what has has happened over the last few years uh and and listen there's no more adam Gase. the curse is over people the the curse has been removed from your guys's franchise congratulations and now you're gonna get zach wilson who is is going to be so fun to watch again that's I want to, you know, we talk about, you know, fantasy football strategy, all of that kind of those, you know, those kind of things. But I also we also really want to make a point on this guy's going to be fun to watch. And I want guys who are fun to watch on my team. And if I don't have to pay a very big draft capital to have him on my team, then I would love to do that. And so uh, I will be having some Zach Wilson shares on my teams this year uh, just because why it's a dart throw, a high-end dart throw. Like you said, the comps and what people are saying about him uh, are, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and Pat Mahomes. Now, will he do that right away and be that, you know, throw 45 touchdowns? I doubt that. Um, but it would be I'd rather, like, watch it on my bench and be excited about it than uh, to be like, oh, I missed out. It's going to be very uh, – let me ask you this, actually, Johnny. I think this is an interesting take because we've sat here and talked about it. We've now ranked Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence as far as impact's concerned. Mm-hmm. So the question is dynasty, bro. Like if you're sitting there in dynasty and you're in the top 12, if we think – first of all, let me – do we think both of these guys are worth a first-round pick in dynasty rookie drafts if you need quarterback? Yeah, I, I think if you need a quarterback, I think you, you grab. So let me put you in this position. I don't think you need a quarterback in our dynasty league, but you're sitting there in the first round with the pick and you need to start your franchise off with a quarterback here for the next few years in your dynasty league. Who are you taking? You know, gun trigger to the you know gun to the head. You pull the trigger. Which situation do you like more, Jacksonville or New York? And then which quarterback do you like more? And give me an answer right now. <laughs> I, that's it's it's very difficult. Um, I would say that I would go. See, I tend to go with the little bit safer option, but if they have like a very similar floor. But I'll tell you what, I really like Zach Wilson, so I would personally probably go Zach Wilson because I feel confident in being able to, um, you know, potentially trade for if it doesn't work out, you can kind of get out of that situation. And I also here's the the other thing that um, I will say for their offense. DJ Chark is on his uh, contract year. You've got uh, Marvin Jones, who is getting up there in age, uh, didn't sign a long-term contract. They do have LaVisca Chanel as a, a great, well, you know, I'm really excited for his outlook. But again, that's basic. And then, you know, there's still question marks on James Robinson and and that weapon, if he really, you know, if it, what he did in his rookie year is real. And so I just think that when, you know, you're looking just at the weapons, I would take the weapons of the Jets right now as far as like a long term two or three years down the road, just because I don't know if DJ Charkery signs there. But if he does, obviously, then, yeah, you're like, oh, for this year, I think he has better weapons. The other thing to look at will be what the Jags do in the draft, because they've got so many picks like over the next, you know, couple years, like what do they build, you know? So like, what do they do in this year's draft where they have the Trevor Lawrence pick, but they've got other picks too. And then if they put some weapons around it, you know, maybe you're thinking that that, you know, puts the needle needle towards the, you know, Trevor Lawrence over Zach Wilson. But I agree with you. I think there's something special about Zach Wilson. I don't think that there's not something special about Trevor Lawrence. I think that he's going to be good and he's definitely the guy you should draft, but maybe think back to Andrew Luck, versus Mm -hmm. RG3 and you're saying like 
should RG3 be drafted ahead? Probably not. You should probably go with Andrew Luck. He's the safer bet, and he did end up being the safer bet. But there was a time in, in our history where we thought RG3 that was year the one. best thing. Yes, year, year one. Year. Yeah. So, like, are we going to have that kind of situation? I think the other thing in playing here is the Herbert versus Burrow situation of last year where Burrow got drafted. He was the safer pick for them. But then Herbert came out and balled out and showed poise. And like he was the guy who was drafted later, but ended up being the guy who showed more promise in his first year. Now that story's yet to be written. We'll see what happens with those two. And then we're going to have another the one. With Lawrence still unwritten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Killjoy here saying Jets picked up some weapons too, so he should be pretty decent fantasy numbers for the upcoming season. Yeah, we agree that we think Wilson will probably be a good, you know, like Johnny said, stasher in a redraft league. But I wanted to ask that question about uh, a dynasty league. Our number six uh, most impactful rookie likely to be is Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle is five foot nine inches, Johnny, one hundred eighty pounds. Comes from Alabama. Uh, that's where he played college football. Uh, player profiler comping him to John Brown, but you've put as what you think might be the best fit here, Johnny, as Arizona. Can you talk a little bit about why you think Arizona is such a good fit and what you think of Jalen Waddle? Yeah, I think that when you're looking at Jalen Waddle, right, he got injured in his, in this past season. He had an ankle injury, and so uh, that's why you're not seeing as much hype on him as you might have seen, right? I think a big part of the reason why uh, Devontae Smith was able to win the Heisman Trophy was because Jalen Waddle went out of the lineup. And uh, when you're looking at what he does very well, he's that speedster, he's that field stretcher, and that's the kind of guy that you want on your team when you can pair him with a big-bodied possession wide receiver on the other side. And that's why I think the best fit is Arizona because they are looking for a slot wide receiver. Now they do have Christian Kirk as of right now, he's on his rookie contract. Um, And then they also have AJ green, right? Who's getting a little bit older. So obviously if Jalen Waddle goes to Arizona, I would expect him to surplant uh, uh, Christian Kirk and in that slot position because he can take advantage. He is extremely fast and uh, he can get behind the defense, and that's exactly what you need in that Arizona-style offense to really take the top off, right, and and help with uh, guys like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. That's the other thing is, like, you can't necessarily double-team DeAndre Hopkins anymore because you have a speedster. So I think the reason we have him ranked, you know, higher or so high on this list at number six is because I do think where he is going, you know, he's going in, uh, I don't expect him to be the number one wide receiver off the board, but watching his tape, I do think he has potential to be uh, one of the best wide receivers in this class because of how fast he is. And And a lot lot of of people comp him. Oh, go ahead. Well, yeah. uh, You're saying that a lot of people comp him. To to Tyreek Hill, you know, and uh, and that's the other- and we talked player profile thinks he's John Brown. So he's definitely, you know, Marquise Brown, Jalen Rager, kind of uh, speedster, long, deep threat guy um, that we see could happen here. Uh, what's funny is a lot of people think that he's going to be in the top 10. Like CBS did a little mock trade. They think that the Lions trade and get into the top 10 or get into nine and they pick Jalen Waddle there. Um, he'll be the second. They need a wide receiver so badly. So obviously that could be something that's profitable. Do you think you'd like him better in an ancillary role where he goes to like an Arizona where he's like third man, second man on the totem pole or like a Detroit role where he's going to be the number one guy? What do you think is better for fantasy next year in 2021? What's the better fit for Jalen Waddle if you wanted to take him? That's that's I think I would rather go with the latter just because Detroit, um, you know, there are so you know, you have Jared Goff there, there are some question marks as opposed to that, as you know, as opposed to Kyler Murray throwing him the ball on an, on an offense that's going to, you know, be running a lot of plays. Uh, they should be in the red zone a lot. Detroit, although we do expect them to take a step forward, uh, I, I don't think getting a speedster is what they need in order to, you know, really also like they have pretty much a Brashad Perryman 
you know, call him what you will. He's older. Yeah, I get that. And he hasn't been, you know, consistent, but he's kind of going to be that speedster guy for them. That's what they got him for the field stretcher. So it would be interesting if they did get Waddle. Um, You know, I would be a little bit, I would still be intrigued by Waddle, but I'd probably move him down this list if he landed in Detroit. Um, Just because I don't know how consistent that's going to be. Yeah, Rob Shorter asking the hard-hitting questions here. We kind of covered that a little bit. If Waddle went to the Cardinals, would he become a wide receiver too straight away? Um, you you kind of think he probably could. Um, I don't know if he would be a, a surefire thing because I do believe A.J. Green will compete for some wide, re- wide receiver two status. And then you're talking about, you're talking about Hopkins, A.J. Green, and Waddle all, be, all being within the top 24. That seems a little bit tough to get there. Um, and so I think I think AJ Green and Waddle would actually eat at each other's uh, value should he end up there. And I think you might be waiting a year before Waddle kind of you know. Kyler Murray loves the slot. He loves going to the slot receiver. True. So that's why. And that's that's definitely true. And you see a situation where Arizona doesn't really have a true tight end uh, mm-hmm. to take up some of that tight end that third option. So definitely something to be watching there. Johnny, talk to me a little bit about number five, Devonta Smith, who you talked about a little bit, won the Heisman Award, uh, six foot ten, or I'm sorry, six foot, not ten, six foot <laughs> in uh, total, one seventy. Also played at Alabama uh, with Jalen Waddle. Um, how do you feel about uh, Devonta Smith coming into this year? We ranked him above Waddle. What do you, What do you got for me? Yeah, I. I'm a little concerned with the weight. Obviously, that's a little bit skinny for uh, a guy that's, you know, six foot. But again, he could, uh, you know, once he starts making that Monet, he could uh, start getting some Eating nice uh, yeah, nutrition in them. Uh, but you look at what he did at Alabama, uh, broke out at the age of 21. Um, nice breakout age there. Uh, he had 117 reset or sorry, in in. The year he broke out, 2019, he had 68 receptions on 86 targets, right, for a little over 1,250 yards. He was getting 18.5 yards per reception, which is really, really good in in college football. That's really high. You look at what he did in, in Alabama last year, right? He in 12 games, he had 117 rece- uh, receptions on 147 targets, 1,856 uh, receiving yards. It did come down on yards per reception uh, from 18 to down to 15.9, Travis. But the thing is, is that, like we said, we he had Jalen Waddle come out of the lineup. And that right. was a huge reason as to why he was able to be a target monster. I do think this is really nice news for like. I think his fit would be a little bit nicer for Detroit. If Detroit can get Devonta Smith, I think that that could be something that uh, is very beneficial for him. He's got like the height that they're looking for. Waddle is a lot smaller, right? Um, but I think that he could kind of fill in that Kenny G role a little bit more for them. Uh, and he can stretch the field. Like I said, he was getting that average up the target of 18 uh, over 18 yards two years ago when he broke out. And so I think that if he lands there, I think that we'll be really, really, I mean, I'll be excited. I don't know if the fantasy community will be excited because it's Detroit, but I think that that's a good piece for them. Uh, but I, and, and you know, if he lands, maybe, you know, there are rumors that the green Bay Packers could trade up. If he lands in a good spot where he is maybe not the alpha one right now, but he has that kind of segue ability where like the alpha one is kind of could be going out. Uh, the door pretty soon I think that that will be really tantalizing yeah that's something to keep an eye on where he goes you you definitely think he could be a number one wide receiver but you're right the weight just kind of makes you wonder if he's going to end up needing to come along with another guy and remember some of these wide receivers have have needed time to be the number two number three guy before they Mm -hmm. were the number one I mean DJ Chark is like that DJ Chark was DJ Chark was the same way. DJ Chark coming out of college is super skinny, uh, and he took a little bit to get uh, because of the depth chart. Right, they had Allen yeah. Robinson at the time, things like that. So obviously, we will adjust these rankings depending on the depth chart and things like that. But um, 
All right, so our last wide receiver here uh, to talk about is the number one wide receiver by many people's uh, opinion in the draft, and that's Jamar Chase. A lot of people believe that Jamar Chase would have been the number one wide receiver had he come out last year. Um, so there is a lot of talk that Jamar Chase out of LSU, six foot ten, or I'm sorry, again, six foot. I put the zero in here. I think he's six foot ten, <laughs> six foot, two hundred one pounds. Uh, went to LSU. Obviously he would be fucking. You would be really huge. Yeah, well, obviously played with uh, our guy uh, um, Justin Jefferson last year, and our guy Joe Burrow. And now Joe Burrow has been kind of openly recruiting Jamar Chase, or not as openly, kind of secretly recruiting him. Player profiler has, has comped him to OBJ. Uh, so we've got some things working there. Another LSU wide receiver. Um, Jamar Chase is a stud, Johnny. We, we like what we see out of Jamar Chase. I guess we wonder if he's going to go to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. They, I think they would have to trade up based on what we're seeing because a lot of people have Jamar Chase going to the Miami Dolphins, Johnny, and they believe that the Dolphins actually make uh, the push for uh, Jamar Chase, and that's why they traded back. They figured they could get out of uh, quarterback and get Jamar Chase. But you look at some of the things, 439-40. He ran even faster at his pro day, 434. That's in the 95th percentile um 106.8 uh speed score burst score was 135.7 all of this is on playerprofiler.com his agility 10.95 catch radius 10.31 um look in you look at what he was able to do in the year that he broke out 2019 uh 14 games 84 uh receptions on 111 targets seven over 1700 yards 20 receiving touchdowns in 2019 johnny this guy is an absolute monster and people are thinking that he could make the most impact a lot of people are taking jamar chase in our mock drafts early i would like to see where he goes look if he goes to miami you're going to have Devontae Parker and Will Fuller there with a guy in Tua who's probably not going to be your biggest air it out guy uh, mm-hmm. and get all of the all three of these guys what they need to do. But Jamar Chase is going to be a guy that if he lands in something like his his former teammate Justin Jefferson landed in in Minnesota where he was second fiddle, then all of a sudden by the end of the year, Justin Jefferson was the alpha in that offense and doing the big things. And now we're drafting Justin Jefferson this year within the top 12 at wide receiver. So... What, do you, what is your take on Jamar Chase? Do you think that we have him too low in this list, or do you really think that the, the running backs that we're going to talk about next are going to make more of an impact, and it's more about where he lands? We have Jamar, we have Jamar Chase so high on this list because the reality is, is that he is a very talented wide receiver, and we've seen in general that, at least over the last couple of years, right, these rookie wide receivers, depending on the situation, like you said, can come in and produce and they could do it either quickly or take some time. Generally, they do take a couple, a, a little bit of time, right? I mean, CD Lamb, he got off to like an amazing start, uh, but he was touted as one of the best wide receivers, right? Uh, T Higgins kind of took some time. Um, we also had, um, Justin Jefferson did take some time uh, to break out. So that is where I'm I'm telling Whisper Nation to kind of pump the brakes on Jamar Chase as far as redraft goes, because I think that it, it could take him a little bit of time depending on his landing spot, depending on situation. Um, I don't know you know if where he would potentially go in the in the top, you know, eight where he would be immediately the alpha one, right? right, Like you said, I think it's just going to take some time. So with that being said, I think he's being drafted as if he's already that alpha wide receiver one and there, and people are drafting him as if he already broke out already. And I just think that that's too high. I do think that there, you know, could he be good this year? Absolutely. Do I think he'll have good weeks? Yes. I think he'll definitely be startable. But I do think that if you draft him thinking he's going to be, you know, a solid wide receiver two for you right from the get go or that potential alpha wide receiver one, you know, Justin Jefferson breakout year. I do think that it's going people are going to be disappointed in that. And I think that uh, people should be cautious of that. Right. We have to also remember, like Justin Jefferson was not touted as the number one wide receiver coming out last year. It was C.D. Lamb. And then behind that, it was, you know, and or there was still the debate. Hey, should you take Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb? Justin Jefferson was like three or four on that list because you had T. Higgins as well. We had Rieger like you had all these other wide receivers. So 
I'm not saying that it's not possible for Jamar Chase to be a top 15 wide receiver this year, but I am saying that it's probably unlikely due to the history, or I'm just saying it's not going to happen right away. So temper your expectations. It'll be if you take a guy like that. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Bengals and Dolphins because they're all they're both right there at, at five and six. And right now, CBS says that Bengals are going to go offensive line and then the Dolphins go with Jamar Chase. But I could easily see Jamar Chase going there at five and the Bengals saying, look, screw it. We're going to go ahead and go with what we got um, and try, try and wing it here. And then you're talking about some really a really nasty combo of T Higgins and Jamar Chase in that wide receiving core for Joe Burrow. And then we got to talk about Joe Burrow and fantasy. So impact wise. Jamar Chase is going to change the franchise he goes to just based on fantasy football uh, and and what we think is going to happen there. So I'm excited for that, but I'm probably more excited for our number three guy, Johnny. And I and like I had to fight with you a little bit on this ranking because I want Javante Williams so high on this list. Javante Williams went to school at North Carolina. He's five foot ten, two hundred twenty pounds. Johnny, we watched his tape a couple months ago. We re, we rewatched it again together. Uh, this guy is hyper elusive, great balance, great at breaking tackles. Rarely ever taken down by the first defender. Three star recruit. So you you wonder what he is as far as talent wise. But when you look at that tape. He doesn't have that elite top end speed, Johnny, but nobody can bring him down. And we said this a couple months ago that he looks like a light Alvin Kamara, just the way that he bounces off tackles. I love Javante Williams, and, I, and I'm really excited about where he goes. If he gets the opportunity to be the guy for a team that has, you know, I, it's hard. Like Atlanta, you know, if they can take him in the second round, um, you know, some of these teams that might pass on running back in the first just to try and get him in the second or third, I love Javante Williams' upside, and I think he could be easily a guy that we're looking back here going was number one on the list just based on where he would go um, and what he's been able to put on tape. I've done this for a couple years where we look at guys and I get really excited about them uh, on their tape. Daryl Henderson was probably the one I was most excited about. Obviously, that did not pan out, so I'm trying to temper a little bit of those expectations. But Henderson still has juice, and he had some games last year where you look at like, oh, that juice finally got to the field. We finally saw what it was about. And I just think Javante Williams is another guy where the tape is not lying to me when I look at what he's capable of, Johnny. I I think that for you to say, you know, you talked about the other running backs that you were talking about, um, but a couple of things I wanted to note that are I think are very, very important, right? We talked about the Alvin Kamara light kind of thing and it's you know that was watching his game tape and he plays like a uh a little bit lighter running back from time to time but with his size he also came in a lot bigger than we thought he you know he doesn't play at 220 or doesn't look 220 on tape but he also does have the ability to lower his shoulder and uh you know pick up extra yards if needed what I like about him a lot and why I'm so intrigued with uh, where he goes and his skill set. I believe of these next three running backs that we're going to talk about, and and I want to preface this and make it, and it's it's important when you're talking about drafting rookies. All the previous rookies we just talked about, I'm only looking at in the later rounds. I'm taking a start throws, you know, 12, 13, 14. I'm having fun. I'm trying to get guys that are exciting. I think that could move up in value because I want to use them as trade bait later. Things like I want to keep pieces away from other players. I get real uh, strategic with that second half of uh, those picks because they're gambles anyway, right? With Javante Williams and the other two running backs that we're going to talk about, I feel confident in taking those a lot, those players a lot higher because we've seen this a lot more often where these running backs who can come in and depending on the situation in the landing spot, of course, but they have the ability to make a fancy impact from week one and be cons- more consistent than, you know, a wide receiver or a quarterback that you can stream at that position. And so last thing I want to say, Travis, about uh, Javante Williams is when you look at him compared to the other two, I I mean, obviously we'll you know we'll talk about uh, one of those could definitely be a three down back as well. But I think Javante Williams he translates the most to me as a act, actual three down 
uh, workhorse running back or quote unquote what we would think of a quote uh, workhorse running back this year. And I think and so, he's going to be the cheapest of the three, right? Yes. So like he's going to you're definitely going to get an opportunity where he could be like let's say he goes to the Jets in the second round or or the Falcons oh or something goodness, in the second I round. I would be so excited. These are teams that are should should be pretty set in other positions, which means being the all around guy in that offense should be profitable. In the Jets' case, if he went there, it would just be on pure volume alone. That would be great, right? You'd have him at RB two level at pure volume. He goes to the Falcons, man. Then you got RB two volume plus touchdown upside because this team can sling the rock. So well, like and- you're. T- and draft capital would be not as uh, obvious. Like you would definitely look at draft capital. That's very important when when these guys get drafted. But like you like you were saying, Travis, if he goes to it like Atlanta, I love that landing spot because his draft capital would or draft price would still be fairly low because of Mike Davis still being there right. and and the potential of being like, oh, Mike Davis is going to vulture touchdowns, all this stuff. But the true upside, I think, would be in Javante there. Yeah, you look at Javante's tape and say that he bounces off all these players and you think they're not going to notice that and put him in the red zone. Like he's definitely mm-hmm. going to get those opportunities there. I love that situation. Um, I love that player and Javante Williams. I'm excited to see where he goes. Our second guy is another exciting guy, Johnny Travis Etienne, five foot ten, two hundred and five pounds uh, out of Clemson. Fast, elusive, decisive runner, was a four-star recruit at a high school, number 14 overall um, of all positions. Uh, over the last three years, he's averaged 13 carries a game, 99 rushing yards per game. He's averaged a 1.5 touchdowns per game, Johnny. Now, a lot of that's playing for Clemson, but, I mean, still, the guy has a nose for the end zone. 2.3 catches per game and 26 receiving yards per game, so not the huge receiving profile, but this is a guy – Johnny, that we think is going to land somewhere and prove right away that he can catch the ball consistently. I love that player profile compared him to DeAndre Swift because I think he's he's in line for a similar situation like Swift, where if he goes somewhere, maybe there's a little bit of competition at first, but at the end of the day, people are going to see how much of a playmaker he is, and they're going to want him in the offense. And so I was thinking about it and looking at it. Maybe the 49ers, Johnny, make a lot of sense uh, for Travis Etienne because he could come in, Look, you know, learn from Shanahan, learn from the other backs in that carousel that he does. But then by the season end, we're going to see that ETN is probably the guy with the biggest chops to make the most plays. And I think the Niners, he could, then you talk about draft capital, which we just talked about with Javante Williams. He goes to the Niners. Nobody's going to want to touch Travis ETN that much, but you could get him in the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th round, and he could be that lottery ticket. And we've seen Shanahan make lesser talent into top 15 backs in fantasy football. Yeah, I I don't know if I would I wouldn't I would not want him to go to San Francisco just because you've got Mostert there. There is such a carousel of running backs. Absolutely, I think that that system. Yeah, but I produces think very, obviously, but I think it's very similar, bro, to like what we saw with Swift. If we're comping him to Swift, yeah, Swift went into Detroit and then had the carousel as well. And then by the end of the year, you were happy you had Swift because he he was posting top ten numbers. And I think he could be a little bit better in that sense in a better offense because Swift was in that Detroit offense that was kind of mm-hmm. sputtering. If you put that similar situation for Etn, and then he's in San Francisco, and then by the year end, you just let his talent rise to the top, or as Macho Man says, the cream rises to the top. Like I think yeah. that could definitely that that could definitely happen with with uh, Travis Etienne. What are some other spots you like for Etienne to land? I mean, we talked about the Jets with Javante. What if Etienne goes to the Jets? I mean, I would absolutely be giddy if he goes to the. I mean, pretty much if one of these top three running backs goes and uh, to the Jets, I'm going to be excited because I think there's going to be a lot of potential there where they will be the guy. Right? They're they're not going to have to just split. Um, with anybody else or there's not going to have that, you know, kind of question mark, but at the same time, that's going to drive up his draft capital. So um, you tend to like these rookies that are in those ambiguous situations, right? Not only with you bring up DeAndre Swift, but also think about Cam Akers, right? Where Cam Akers is now projected to be like one of the biggest breakout running backs this year. And everyone, you know, it's everyone's trying to get a piece of Cam Akers. Well, when we, like you said, Daryl Henderson was the other like people were like, oh, I think Daryl Henderson's going to be the breakout, and it doesn't matter about Cam Akers. So I think if he does go to a situation like that, I think it's beneficial for his draft capital and draft stock. I think that I would be very, very interested in uh, that, depending on where he would go. Um, but 
like I said, I do think he's talented enough to where if he goes to a situation where he is the guy, I think that he will reward uh, fantasy uh, people who get him because I think that he can be a, you know, pretty solid uh, running back two minimum if he has, you know, the backfield basically to himself or that, you know, getting the vast majority of the target market share there. Um, I, I think that he would be a really good running back for you this year. I'm excited uh, to see what happens with ETN. You talked about, you know, where he's going to go in the draft. We've seen mocks have him as the first running back and as the second running back off. We think both three of these, all three of these guys are kind of interchangeable with all those teams that need running back. CBS latest mock has ETN going to uh, Miami, which would be interesting. Uh, I you love could that. See, uh, Jacksonville is another option uh, here that we're going to talk about, but let's talk about our number one. Most impactful rookie for 2021 in fantasy football, and we think that will be Najee Harris. And that is because Najee Harris is a physical specimen, Johnny. Six foot two inches, 230 pounds, played at Alabama, similar to Derrick Henry, who he's very much close uh, in size with to Derrick Henry. He, you know, played for Alabama as well. So five star recruit out of high school. Harris seems to be this favorite for the first running back selected, or at least he started the year out as such, has averaged 5.8 or better yards per carry in all four years at Alabama, 2,690 yards. That's 103.4 per game and 50 total touchdowns, Johnny, in his final two years. Has improved as a pass catcher each year with 43 catches and 57 targets, 425 yards in 2020. So this is a guy who we think can do it all maybe even better receiving chops than Derrick Henry and a similar build. And then we think, you know, player profile are comping him to Joe Mixon, saying that he's that kind of specimen and elusivity as a running back, you know, because Joe Mixon's comp was Ezekiel Elliott, Johnny. So now we're talking about a guy who's a well-rounded back, has proven chops in college, is a big specimen, uh, so you don't have to worry about his durability, presumably. And now where does he go? If he goes to a running back needy team like the Falcons, uh, who have a bit good offensive weapons around him, Jags, the Jaguars, uh, good offensive weapons around him, the Jets, uh, we've got other teams that could want him there. Najee Harris is going to be the most watched player by our team here at TFW as far as where does he land. What kind of opportunity is he going to get? The question is, and I, I'm not going to lie. I wish we were live last year when this happened. The question is, is he going to be that number one guy or is the world going to be shocked like, like we were last year? Yeah, where we were yeah. all, you know, it was, it was Jonathan Taylor and Swift. Who is going to be the first running back and where does he go? And we were all surprised and shocked when it was. I honestly think that could be a situation like we saw last year, but with Javante Williams, a guy who could sneak in as the first running back taken. And and this uh, and Kenneth Gainwell, he's gaining a lot. A lot of people are starting to talk about him as well as potentially this sleeper that uh, gets taken first. I do think that. Ultimately, it sh- it should be Najee, right? He he is the most uh, sure thing at the running back position in this draft. However, I do understand some hesitations, right? When you're talking about some of these Alabama running backs, like they don't always work out, right? We did have Mark Ingram, which he had some really good fantasy years. Obviously, Derrick Henry, Trent Richardson, been, but tr- we Trent have Richardson? had tr- yeah. But look, like we've had that was more- Johnny's favorite guy. <laughs> We've had more busts from Alabama at the running back position than we've had actual hits. Like thing, like people would still they still want to say Kenyon Drake's a miss. Okay, so like I don't think that was a miss. I would think that would be like a Mark Ingram kind of thing where he was good, but he wasn't great, right? Um, but you have like TJ Yeldon, guys like that. Um, I just think that uh, there, there's. I mean, Alvin Kamara did kind of go to Alabama, but he transferred, so I don't think Eddie that counts. Lacey. But yeah, Eddie Lacy, another one. So you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a huge line line of running backs that have been monster beasts in in Alabama. You think it's more likely that Najee Harris is like uh, Derrick Henry? He's like Mark Ingram, or he's like Eddie Lacy? Which one do you think he ends up more like? And I'll say Trent Richardson. Which one do you think that he'll be more closer to the spectrum on? Okay, give me give me the options again. So is he more like Derrick Henry? Is he more like Mark Ingram? So like Derrick Henry light kind okay. of like the you know RB two range when it is okay. heyday, 
I mean, Mark Ingram had great years in New Orleans and even a, yeah. a, a great year in Baltimore. Um, but Derrick Henry's next level now. Now he's top five back, right, in, in fantasy. So mm-hmm. Derrick Henry level, Mark Ingram level, or Eddie Lacy slash Trent Richardson level where he's going to maybe have one good year and then flash in the pan and be out. I, I don't think he's going to be like Eddie Lacy or uh, I don't think it will be a one-hit wonder. I think he'll be more of a Mark Ingram than he'll be a Derrick Henry. Okay. I, I think he'll have... Yeah, you're playing the safe game here. I understand. No, that. no, I, but I it, it's honest, though, because like, yeah. I don't think... I never, I didn't tout him as one of these, the best running backs come that like was a game changer, like a Jonathan Taylor or a DeAndre Swift. Like I didn't tout him as that. Um, he certainly has those abilities, but again, I want to see what offense he goes to first and, and cause that has a huge factor, right? Like if he goes to a really bad, I mean, Trent Richardson, maybe he goes to a different team and he's still in the league. Maybe probably yeah. not, probably not, but like, it, it's, it's fun to think about, isn't it? But yeah, needless I mean, this to say, gonna be an I, interesting, it's going to be a lot of fun just to see where these guys land and, and see where we're going to talk about them as, as guys going forward. And you guys can help us with that by getting with us live next Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're going to be going live uh, during the draft. And so hopefully we get some of these guys taken in that first round. I mean, we're going to get a good amount of them, and then we're going to be able to talk about that instant reaction to that. And and here's the thing: even if you know we're going to have uh, linemen drafted, of course, and cornerbacks, we're going to talk about what that means for fantasy too, what that means for other implications across the league. We're excited, uh, Killjoy, excited too, saying uh, he'll be there. He also was saying he's going to take Harris at three in his draft. That must be his rookie draft. Kind of nervous about it though. Look, if you need running back, there's no shame in taking a guy, yeah, especially yeah. if he lands in a position that Harris is likely to land in, which is a role that needs to be filled. Let me um, ask you this w- real quick on last thing on Najee, but where do you think there's going to be a running back that lands with a team where you would instantly say, Oh, they're an RB, they're in second round, or they're in the late first round now because they're they just drafted this X player? Uh, uh, at the running back position, do you have anyone like that? Like a first round and redraft? Yeah, like that's going to be hard for anybody in this position to get into the first. Basically, round. the Ceh, the Ceh. What yeah, happened to Ceh? Ceh belonged, and we we were trying to say this. Uh, you know, Ceh. There's not a team like that right now, right? Because what if, if you look at Buffalo, if you what look if at Green, to Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo is interesting, but no, because of the competition there. The thing about Kansas City that really got Ceh into the first and middle of the first and late first last year mm-hmm. was that Damian Williams opted out. Right. Yeah. And so because he opted out, we weren't we were like, there's no competition. This is going to be his to lose. And then we what would we do if we knew who the number one guy in a Kansas City offense would be? We draft him in the first round. We don't have something like that. Look at all the teams that would be comparable to that. Uh, Green Bay. Uh, they've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They're probably not going to need to take a running back at this point. If they do, it'll mm-hmm. be later on. Um, you look at like some of Tampa Bay. They've got a bunch of running backs now. Yeah. Uh, Gio yeah. Ver- Giovanni Bernard uh, is over there now. Um, New Orleans kind of set a running back as far as a high-powered offense that could need a running back. Um, some mean, of these Arizona teams, is one that needs to dodge. Arizona is yeah. interesting, but we still like Chase Edmonds. We like James yeah. Connor. Uh, I mean, we don't love James Connor, but like we like the fact that there's running backs there, right? So we don't mm. really need to figure that out. I think, yeah, there's not somebody, even if Najee Harris goes, like, I think Atlanta's the most prime location for any of these running backs to land. And that's mm-hmm. because they have stacked offense. They could get the defense in line. And this could be a, like, would we be surprised at the end of the year if they won the division? No, probably not because that's the AFC South or the NFC South's done that over the years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and even if Najee Harris goes to Atlanta, which I think would be the best landing spot of the teams we've talked about, you probably would not be sitting here drafting him in the first round because Jonathan Taylor went to Indy last year, Johnny, and mm-hmm. we still took Jonathan Taylor in the third round or the fourth round at most, you know, and I yeah. just don't think I'm going to be taking Najee Harris that high uh, yeah. unless he goes to Atlanta and that's in the third round. So uh, I want to say what's up to Jay. Uh, Jay plugged in with Jay, the fantasy football plug. Yo, 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 yo. What's up, Jay? We appreciate you, my man. And Killjoy saying thanks for the great stream. Got to run. Thanks for all the advice. Of course, man. We appreciate you. Appreciate If you guys want to follow us, give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. Give us a like. We appreciate doing this for you guys. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. I'm Big Travi. We just talked top 10 fantasy impact rookies for 2021. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. 
right here. Oh, hey, you made it to the end of the video. If you like what you saw, go ahead and hit subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell so you get notified anytime we drop new content or go live. And if you're still not told yet, check out one of these videos.